Hi, everyone. Dr. Tim and Hillary for another Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I am doing good, doing good. Well, travel season starts in earnest. Aquaculture Conference in New Orleans this weekend. Next weekend, we're both in Denver for reef stock. A few weeks, Global Pet Expo in Orlando. And then Aquashella, Reefapalooza. It's gone wild. If you want to come out and meet us, hit Hillary up on our social media. And uh, you have listings where we're going to be, right? Booth yep. number. So uh, I don't know about booth number, but I've got shows that we're going to be at. So okay. and uh, the website, we'll put it up on the calendar. We love to talk to people, maybe score a little swag or something like that. And hold uh, on. Can I what? just say swag? You sent me a package that has some of the new reptile systems and ASF swag. That's cool stuff. We got That's a lot cool of stuff. Yes, we've got more stuff coming, some plans. It's uh, going to be a fun year. Oh, and we have products, folks. And that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we do have pretty cool products. And we're going to talk about that today. The new ASF Reef Evolution Sea Salt. A bucket is coming Hillary's way. So she can do a video on that and show you all about it. Yes, I'm so excited. And we, we've posted like short little clips of the salt. It's a game changer. Yeah, and it's actually in our possession and for sale at our website. So let's talk about salt in general for a few minutes, and then we'll dial down into what makes the reef evolution sea salt distinct from others and so nice. So first, why do you even need a synthetic and what is a synthetic sea salt? So there's there's a couple of um, options. Uh, one option is you just go to the ocean and wade into the uh, surf and grab your own bucket or however much you want of ocean water. Or if you have a boat, go out a little further and fill some totes up with ocean water. And in fact, you know, when I was growing up living down in San Diego, I was kind of growing up a teenager when I moved down there um, and going to San Diego State, uh, you could go to the Scripps Institute of Oceanography, the pier, and they had a hose right there. And it was because um, they had an aquarium and they filtered the seawater through some big sand filters and they had a hose and you could literally drive your car, truck, whatever, right down to the edge of the pier, fill up as much as you wanted. Um, no way. Yeah. I mean, I know they still, I think they still have that. I, last time I was there, they did. Yeah. But the, That's cool. the yeah, the, the problem though, always with me, the problem, right? I'm just pointing <laughs> things out. The issue. No, is, no, you got to stick with the problem. The problem is that it's only sand filtered, you know, it, or if, I mean, maybe you go, you know, if you go out in the surf and you use a micron filter or something, well, yeah, that would get clogged up super fast, but some type of a, a mechanical filter, you're going to be left with all sorts of minute creatures and several months of the year. That means uh, red tide dinoflagellates, which we want to not have in your aquarium. Um, also, near shore water 
the chemistry is much different because you've got the wind blowing things from the shore into the ocean. And if you look at some studies, you'll see like elevated aluminum levels on in the water in the waters on near shore ocean waters to really get good ocean water like say the Monterey Bay Aquarium they have their intake way offshore deep down it doesn't have the influence of what you know settles or blows in and and start mixing in the top layer there below the, the thermocline and so you want to be careful using near shore water and you think we'll just go to the bay there's lots of potentials for pollution i was you know down in san diego at my dad's this weekend in coronado and the beach is closed because of bacterial pollution you know um so while it looks good and think i can just get free seawater you know the old saying beware of anything free so if for, for most people i would say using Real seawater, natural seawater right from the coast is probably not an option and be very careful because it's one of those things like not quarantining your fish. It'll be great for several months and then it only takes one incident to wipe everything out. Well, how does Scripps, because Scripps gets ocean water or Monterey Bay, you got to remember that they're not only sand filtering it, they're doing lots of other things. Um, ozone, UV, uh, very fine filtration to uh, treat that water. And, and in fact, I was speaking to a friend of mine who runs an aquarium up in uh, Washington, and they're coastal, but they're on a lagoon. And the problem they have is that, well, what if first thing I think about Oregon or Washington is it rains a lot. And they have real issues with salinity control because the fresh water sits on top of the salt water. It doesn't mix very well. And so you can have big, big salinity changes. SeaWorld in San Diego and, and Mission Bay has that problem. So um, beware of that. You know, another type of salt is, you know, dried sun, you know, sea salt. Just It's just, you've seen if you've been to San Francisco Bay or even uh, San, San Diego, lots of places where how did you know we used to get salt or and still do is you have evaporative ponds they sit out the water evaporates and as it evaporates different chemical precipitates form until you basically get sea salt well the issue with that is it's open so you've got birds pollution when you fly into san francisco on the South Bay there, you'll see all those different colors. And those are archaea, a type of uh, microorganism. And so do you want all that organic material, all that dried or the, the bacteria, the archaea, all that potential pollution in your aquarium? And the answer is probably no. So that brings us to synthetic sea salt. And, and that's basically mixing chemicals together to replicate nature. And with, with everything, there's pluses and minuses, but th this is a way to control the quality and not have the potential downsides. And, and you know, that that's what you always have to weigh is what are the risks? And then when you weigh the, the risk, you, you 
sort out, you know, here's the top five or six, whatever risk, how likely is one of those risks to happen? And with seawater, and then, and then what's the consequence? And for a lot of aquariums using bad seawater, whether, you know, it can outright kill everything, it can cause massive algae blooms, it can turn your tank into really something ugly and just cause you a ton of work. And um, so you have to evaluate that. With the synthetic sea salts, we mix, uh, it it depends, seven to 10 different compounds together in proportion to match natural seawater in the major and minor constituents. You've got the major constituents, you know, the calcium, sodium, magnesium, strontium. There's seven major constituents in seawater. And the ratio of those never varies, whether you're in the the Red Sea, you know, at almost 40 parts per thousand, the Marianas Trench, at how many, how deep is that? Very deep. The Yeah, something like that. The ratio of calcium to magnesium to sodium to strontium does not vary. The salinity, you know, the amount but the ratio does, and that's why they're called conserved major elements. And then you've got your your minor elements, and those can change a little depending where you are. Uh, and the debate has always been with a synthetic sea salt, how important are the trace elements? You know, some people say, well, they're not important at all. Others say, well, they're super important. The issue is that we don't know a lot about exactly how much is needed of these different trace elements. You definitely need some things. You Copper, you need a little bit. Iron, you need a little bit. But what's a little bit? And then a lot of times, uh, more than a little bit causes issues. So we're yeah. you know, still learning about that. But we know enough to make a real quality synthetic sea salt. Almost all the major aquariums around the world use a synthetic sea salt because it eliminates the potential for lots of issues that can um, basically wipe out the aquarium. The first synthetic sea salts were probably formulated in, um, I mean, there's been lab ties, but commercial were formulated in the late 60s uh, in Ohio, the Cleveland Aquarium. The Cleveland Aquarium used to send tanker cars, you know, that, that are on a railroad down to the Gulf Coast and fill them up with filtered seawater from the coast and then train them back, you know, by train, take them back up to Cleveland. Yes. Um, the shed. That, I have a book on like the history of the Shed Aquarium and they used to do that. Yeah, yeah. All those tanker cars, oil or chemicals or whatever, are full of seawater. Well, that got expensive and that got, you know, un- you know, not very well quality control. You go down there and you get what you get. Uh, and it turns out that the Midwest is basically, you know, used to be covered by an ancient sea that's that's evaporated. And there are literally salt mines, you know, working in the salt mines. There are truly salt mines. Detroit sits on huge salt deposits, but there are lots of salt deposits around the, the world and 
over time, those have become pretty good quality. And then with a little processing be, can become great quality. With a synthetic sea salt, I don't think you're losing anything in terms of what you need to grow. We're learning more about micronutrients and organics and vitamins and different things that you need to put in. And uh, that brings us to Reef Evolution by ASF. ASF is Aquarium Systems France. They've been making salt for nearly 50 years. And their factory is incredible. The way, the way they manufacture the salt, transport the salt, mix, there's really no place else like it. And one of the things they really pay attention to is particle size. Because I'm sure you've seen this maybe in junior high or so, had that where you put uh, particles, marbles and beads and different things of different sizes together, and then you shake it. And what happens? The particles, even though they started out all mixed up, separate. And the smaller ones come together, the larger ones come together. Well, that's the same thing that can happen in sea salt. If you have these eight to 10 compounds and they're different particle sizes, and you don't do anything to that, but mix it up and then bag it or put it in a bucket, during transportation, the compounds will separate. What that means is that what's at the top of the bucket when you grab, you know, uh, a, you know, a pound of salt to mix some seawater or a cup or whatever is going to be completely different than what's at the middle, which will be different than what's at the bottom. So you're going to mix this up, assuming that you're getting calcium, magnesium, all these things at this at a certain percentage or ratio, no matter where you are, top to bottom. But that's not what happens because the salt separates, and that's a problem today. There are companies. You know, that that don't do anything about that. And you can see that in the salt when it has those different particles. What ASF does is they pre-treat the particles and grind them so that they're all the same size before they're mixed. And they do, you know, quality analysis on their raw materials. Then they treat them and make sure they're clean, same particle size, and then are mixed together homogeneous to make a nice homogeneous mixture. And all this is done by computers and conveyors and secrets and tips that they've learned in 50 years of doing this and then bagged or, or placed in buckets. And the result is a very pure salt in terms of not full of organics and pollutions that we don't want. A particle size that's uh, uniform, so what you get from top to bottom is the same. They add or enrich it with calcium and magnesium. So this salt that we're now premiering, Reef Evolution, is good for all types of fish tanks. Fish tanks, coral tanks, hard or soft corals, SPS, you know, any type of reef tank. The salt will cover it all. What you're going to see, though, because th this is another little... I call it a myth of the trade, the hobby, is that a quality salt mixes super clear, super fast. You know, the faster it mixes clear, the better. And that's not true because I, if you can just take sodium chloride 
you know, that will mix clear really fast. But not very many people want to keep their fish in just sodium chloride. You need the magnesium, you need the calcium and the strontium and other things. And as you add these other chemical compounds in the needed percentages, that takes longer to dissolve. Calcium takes longer, magnesium takes longer than sodium to dissolve in water. So don't be fooled by, you know, a demo that, oh, my salt, you know, mixes in 30 seconds versus this other salt that takes two minutes or three minutes. It's worth spending a little extra time waiting a little bit for a salt to dissolve clear, but take a little longer. And that's what you have with reef evolution. It's not the fastest dissolving salt. What you're going to have, and you can compare these numbers with others, is at a specific gravity of about 1.024, your alkalinity is going to be 7.5 to 8. Your calcium is going to be 430 to 450. And your magnesium is going to be 1300 to 1350. So those are above, above the normal ranges. And that just means it's going to take, you know, a few extra minutes to dissolve, but it will. It'll dissolve clear. There won't be a a bathroom ring, you know, a smudge ring around the bucket or anything like that. So you say that it might take a little bit longer, but not too long. Do you have like, it, it'll take an hour to mix or 15 minutes or 30 minutes? Oh yeah. 15 minutes. But you know, there's some companies out there that were promoting, oh, you know, we dissolve in five minutes. Yeah. And your calcium levels are terrible and your magnesium levels are terrible. So that's the point I'm trying to make is it's not a race to see who can dissolve yet. No, it dissolves quick, but it's not an hour. It's like 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad at all. Now, is there a speed at like when you're making salt and stuff, if you go ahead and mix a batch of salt, you're set to do a water change. And then I don't know, you forget, you have to go pick the kids up from daycare. You don't end up doing a water change until like two days later, for whatever reason, is the salt that's already mixed in that bucket still going to be good to use? Oh, sure. Yep. Be fine to use, not a problem. Have to worry about it having precipitated out or anything like that. Nope. Long as you've now, now some people try to. I I think that they think it's less work where they'll mix the salt in the bucket to a higher concentration because they're going to put it in the tank and then add just regular, you know, RODI water. Maybe because they don't have enough space to make you know, mix up 20 gallons. So they mix up five gallons at a super concentrated uh, amount. If you do that, then you're going to have issues because you can only put, you know, you can only get so much calcium and magnesium to dissolve. And if you're going to try to make a salt that instead of about 34 parts per thousand, is going to be a hundred parts per thousand, you know, nearly three times, then you're going to have issues. Does that, does that make sense, Hillary? Yeah, yeah. Like if you're trying to like mix sugar in water and the water's not hot enough or something like that. Yeah, or you're just... trying to just put too much. There's a solubility there. Um, so, it, and what can happen then, especially in your um, scenario where you mix it, but then you got to go and you wait a couple of days. If, if that water's just sitting there, definitely things can start to precipitate out. Um, and as an so aside- if, if you've okay. made it, like maybe keep that pump running in there? Definitely keep the pump running in there. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and, and as a side, what you should never do is add salt directly to a tank with fish in it. I, I don't recommend that at all. 
I've seen that a couple of times. You know, people drain it down, they add DIRO water to fill it back up, and then they pour the salt right over the top of the tank, over the no. corals. Over <laughs> no. Don't do that, folks. People are always trying to save some time. And and if you don't, you know, if you're doing a uh 33% water change or even a 25% water change on a hundred gallon tank and you need 25 or 30 gallons and you only got a five gallon buck you're sh- you know, bucket you're short what do you need to do you need to invest in a nice bulky heavy duty you know trash can um with a dolly and make 20 gallons make 25 gallons um right all at once and and yes. then change the water. You gotta, you know, you gotta do it right. It shortcuts, short shortcuts usually get you in trouble. So make so. it easy for yourself. Coming from someone who used to do water changes on a fifty-five gallon by hauling five-gallon buckets of water up three flights of stairs. Yeah. Make it easy for yourself. And who's been cross-country with a pig twice? I can just picture that road trip. Oh, Anyways, God, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> Invest in some good equipment, uh, you know, market, big, giant, uh, you know, not trash, fish, you know, fish tank only. Protect that, protect that and keep it clean. Um, get some quality pumps to move the water uh, in and out of the tank. Um, you know, and, and, pumps. Yeah, you can. Uh, get a lid can, for your trash can too. Yes, definitely a lid for your trash can a few a planning a little bit and a few uh, pumps, you can make this easy and, and relatively painless to change water in your aquarium. Now, what also, once you mix this up, because this is kind of a hybrid, you know, full disclosure, I used to be in charge of making, uh, you know, quality control of instant ocean here in the United States. And there was instant ocean and there was reef crystals. Reef crystals was developed for more of the reef tanks because we found that they need a few extra things. With reef evolution, we're just making one salt. And that does have some organic ingredients in it. We found that helps because as I've we talked about, really an aquarium is just a home for bacteria that we let fish and corals swim into, swim around in. Uh, it's got some, it's got 10 different amino acids. It's got vitamins. So it's a, it's a fortified salt. What the salt doesn't have, you know, once you mix it up, it it won't have phosphate, ammonia, nitrite, and nitrate. And, you know, why do you say those things? Well, because when you want a chemical, you're, you're not getting, you know, just calcium or just sodium. You're, you're, it's a compound, which a compound is two different, you know, your sodium chloride, magnesium sulfate, and there's different things you can choose. And some chemical compounds are cheaper than others, but maybe they're going to have a phosphate on there or nitrate or ammonium. I mean, you can do ammonium chloride, you know, a little bit of ammonium chloride to get the chloride levels up, but you're adding ammonia to the system and we don't want that. Um, and there are, you know, terrible grade salts. You kind of, as as always, get get what you pay for. You know, if you're trying to save a buck and get super cheap salts, um, there's probably a reason they're super cheap. And it's got to do with the chemicals that go in it and the grade of those chemicals. Now, now this this is also 
some I don't know, Hillary. Do I say false advertising? <laughs> You say whatever you want to say. Be, that's <laughs> Within it. reason. <laughs> Within reason. But so there's different grades of chemicals. There's industrial grade, which means it goes into a processing, some industrial process. And then there's uh, food grade. So for that, it ha- basically, it's the amount of inspection is the only difference. You know, industrial grade, I don't know the exact numbers, so don't quote me, but say they sample once out of a thousand pounds. Uh, food grade, they're going to inspect, say, 10 times out of a th- that 1,000 pounds. They take 10 samples throughout the 1,000 check. Then you can get up to, you know, laboratory, reagent, USP, you know, these certified grades. And what they're doing is certifying how much of the uh, other that's in there and and what that is so you know exactly what's in there so you get different purities you know 99.9 versus 99.999 or 99.999999 and as you go up in purity the cost goes way up because it had to be handled and tested a lot more so there is no one that makes a hundred percent USP, re, you know, reagent grade sea salt for an aquarium. You, no one could afford it. It would be super expensive. So, don't believe all that marketing when they uh, marketing when they say that they're using this super pure certified blah 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 blah. That's not true. It's it's basically. Uh, food grade for most of the chemicals. And then for the trace elements and things, yes, we can get into the higher purities. Um, and, and it's fine. You're, you don't um, need to worry about that in, unless you're buying a super cheap salt. And I mean, I, I've opened buckets of salt and you can see sticks in there and stuff like that. Um, you're not going to have that with the reef evolution. It's it's a really nice, well made, well mixed, uh, pure sea salt. Yes, I'm so I cannot wait to use this stuff. And, and the good part is, you know, it's it's not the most expensive salt out there, even though it's it's made and imported from France. Uh, you know, we we know the market, we know where we want to be, and. Um, it's it's cost of effective and you're going to notice you're going to notice the difference using this yes and can we talk a little bit about i think we've talked about packaging before but i think the packaging on this the, the buckets especially is very unique but also can we touch on if you are to order this because things have changed in salt like because of shipping prices so for example i used to be able to buy a box of salt that would make 200 gallons, but now the most I can buy at a time is three bags that make 50 gallons. Right. And, the same and, applies. Oh yeah, because you know everybody ships, you know FedEx or UPS or one of the carriers, and it used to be not too long ago, like three or four years or so, that if you shipped ground, if the box didn't way what they did is they charged you by weight you know a a 40 pound box cost 
uh, more than a 20 and a 60 pound box cost more than a 40, but it was just a price per pound. And then they went to what's called dimensional white. So they all have a formula and they basically say, well, you're taking up space and we're going to charge you for this space until we're not. And what that means is that you take the width, the height, and the depth of the box, and you multiply that, and you divide it by some number, and that gives you what they're going to charge you weight-wise. So you could take a box and fill it full of feathers, and it may only weigh, you know, five pounds. But if it's a 12 by 12 by 12 box, they're going to say, no, we're not going to charge you five pounds, the actual weight. We're going to charge you 20 pounds, this dimensional weight. Then they said, well, if it's over 50 pounds now, we're going to charge you a surcharge. And it's expensive. So that that's become the issue is that the traditional 200-gallon box, which is four 50-pound bags, weighs uh, about 62 or 64 pounds. So it's over 50. And there is a surcharge of up to $75 to ship that box. What? Oh, yeah. Yep. See, I heard for the longest time that the reason that it was only available is because there was a shortage, but it's just that the costs have gone up so much. Yeah, no, shortage of what? Salt? No. No, the, the costs have gone up. That same, that box, take one bag out, and now it weighs like 46 or 47 pounds, cost us measurably, I mean, just a huge amount cheaper than than four bags. So shipping three bags because three bags is under 50 is the only way you can go. It's just way too expensive um, to, to ship a 70 or a 64 pound box of salt. So we have the same thing. We'll, we, you know, we'll sell the salt and we we are selling it and it's a it's either um well it's the only way it's sold over the internet is three bags that make 150 gallons and the bucket you mentioned is cool because everybody just puts everything in a round bucket and think about carrying that round bucket full of salt heavy and it's smacking up against your leg and your knee and your ankle and it's just a pain what we've done is we've cut the bucket in half so the side of the bucket, which is the back that is against your body is flat. And then it's kind of a half moon shape when you're looking down on it. And so you can carry it straight along your body without it smashing your leg or ankle. And it's a much easier on your back to carry this. And it's, it's just, it makes a nice front panel to see everything. So those little things we've thought about, and it, it does look cool. Plus it has a function of making it easy to carry. So you don't have to hold your arm out. So you're not smacking your leg with that big round, heavy bucket. And if you're going to be at restock in two weeks, we're, we've shipped a couple of buckets, which we don't normally do to restock and they're going to be in the, the raffle. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. With some of the new ASF pumps and wave makers and DC pumps, we're premiering a whole the whole line of ASF stuff. 
Oh, I'm excited. And if you, yep. if you want to hear about the ASF line, because there is a bunch of products that are fantastic. We've done podcasts on them, like the pumps specifically. Yep. Let me know. I'll send you a link or you can go find them. Ooh. And I think I have a surprise, Hillary. <gasps> Ooh. We have the reef shots in stock. <gasps> no. Yep. That they, they came in, they shipped, uh, they shipped some in for the shows in the little shots all loaded and ready to go. Oh my gosh. That's exciting. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. This is a novel, easy way to add different like trace elements and vitamins and probiotics and calcium and magnesium to your tank. And we call it reef shots. And do uh, not, these, these are not shots that you are taking. These are shots that go in your aquarium. Just, yeah. just to specify. <laughs> yeah. What are the questions we get on, on salt one, you know, mixing it up, you really should have a dedicated system and a pump to, yeah. to do that. And uh, what about storage? You know, I, I, with a lid on it and a pump moving it, there's really not a problem. Um, and you don't really have to have a heater because it's, I'm assuming oh. it's stored in, in your house. Now, if it's stored in your garage in Vegas, that's super hot or, you know, in your garage in Wisconsin in the middle of winter, well, that might freeze. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm specifically like the salt itself without having water in it like the buckets does it I, I've, I've had salt in the past that like as soon as you open it even if you close it it clumps up and it makes it almost impossible to break that apart yeah so so what's happening there is that the chemicals are dried but they're very hydroscopic meaning they want to suck moisture right out of the air so with the instant ocean uh, even the salt in the buckets, there's a bag. You open it up and there's a bag. The salt's in a bag in a bucket. That way you can close that up and you should close that up and keep it as sealed as you can because the salt wants to take moisture right out of the air. And as it does that, it starts to harden up and it makes makes it hard and you have to get in there and you know, chop it all up and bang it all up. Um so the storage is as airtight in a dry uh, environment as you can provide. You definitely don't want to just keep it open. You know, if you've not sealed your bag of salt, after a while you come back and you're going to notice it's kind of liquidy and uh, uh, just a mess. And that's because it's taking the moisture right out of the uh, atmosphere. So in addition to having a brute trash can or something to store your salt water, if you don't have a way to store your salt, maybe consider getting a Tupperware container, well, not a Tupperware, but like a, a Rubbermaid tote or something to put something. your salt in. Yeah, definitely uh, keep it sealed. And um, we do have on the my-asf.com website, we'll have an analysis because we have lab analysis that will give you the different trace elements and levels that are in the salts. And we'll be doing more uh, you know, videos on mixing it and uh, using it with with the different with the other different products that we're introducing. Now, you you just mentioned something like a lab analysis. Is there like do they have those for each of the batches of salt that they make? They have them for the. I don't think it's every batch. It they do a quality analysis on a regular basis, but it's not by batch. I'll have to dig into that. That's a good question. Um, some places don't do any quality analysis, mm -hmm. but they definitely do quality analysis. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've heard Tomah talk about it, 
So I'm, I was trying to remember what it was and how often they do it, but I know yeah. that there's a lot that goes into them making salt. Right. Well, there, there's a number on each bucket or each bag, and that relates back to the analysis. So they can, they can trace it. So if you, you know, say there's a problem or something, we're going to ask for the number that's on the container, and then that can be traced back to the production day and, and cycle and they'll know the raw materials so they can trace that back. That's a lot of detail that they have. Yes. But that's what happens when you have a real quality control uh, mechanism. You can trace things back. And uh, for more information, you can go to the website. Even Dr. Tim's Aquatics will be posting. And we just got this salt in. Uh, and so uh give us a little bit of time to get better pictures and usage and things up, but that will be going up because we didn't want to put a bunch of stuff up, get everyone excited and go, Oh, it's coming. It's not available. No, it's, it's available. We're pretty, we're actually real excited about it. Yes. I've, I've been waiting for this since we had it at the global last year. Yes. It was global last year. <laughs> <laughs> can we blame the pandemic? <laughs> we can blame shipping. We definitely can blame shipping. This salt arrived in December and we didn't get it out of customs until the end of January. <laughs> but we're going to fix that supply chain. So things will be running here smooth in a while. But, uh, you know, it's it's how the world's running right now. Things There's just some bottlenecks in some places, but that's all good. So we, we have it. And it's, uh, I really stand behind it. It's, I mean, I've been in other places I've operated or done the quality control, like I said, for, a, you know, the one of the biggest salt manufacturers. And there's nothing like what, how they make the salt in France. It's just uh, wonderful. Everyone, that's been an introduction to the new Reef Evolution Sea Salt by ASF in partnership with Dr. Tim's Aquatics. And you're going to be seeing a lot of new stuff from us and from them this year. We're pretty excited. We haven't been sitting around. We've been doing a lot of development and a lot of new stuff with products and additives and uh, pumps and lots of neat stuff. So come out to a show. We're going to be at every one of them and more. And don't forget, we do reptiles now too. Yes, we do. Okay, everyone. This has been Dr. Tim and Hillary for another session of Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. Good fish.